0: And I've sometimes heard that, you know, Fordham College at Lincoln Center doesn't have school spirit. Well, we have it, And it was there.
1: I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. Today, Dean Frederick J. Wirtz reflects on his tenure as interim dean of FCLC and looks forward towards the future. Meanwhile, Andy Vega speaks about his frustrations with the Instagram page Overheard at Fordham. Finally... Editors from The Observer say a fond farewell. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of The Fordham Observer. I'm joined now by Dean Wurtz, Interim Dean of Fordham College at Lincoln Center. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks for inviting me, Kevin.
1: So, Dean Wurtz, let's just start right from the beginning. How did you end up getting this gig?
0: Well, it's interesting because I've been at Fordham for 34 years, and a couple of years ago, I applied for phased retirement to end my career at Fordham and to have the freedom to do a bunch of research and a lot of projects that I haven't been able to get to for so long. And I was about to have that first moment of freedom and to think about what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and I was actually driving uh, back from out of town through the Pennsylvania wilds and listening to music in my car, and I got an unexpected call from the provost who says that he would like me to assume the position of acting dean of Fordham College at Lincoln Center the college that I've been at since 1985 and that I love and uh so I said yes, and have never regretted or looked back. But that changed my life profoundly, and uh, I never, I never got to that moment of freedom to reflect on the rest of my life. And instead, I've been here at FCLC in the fast lane, uh, involved in the college more than I ever have been uh, since I've been at Fordham. So it's been a whirlwind and a nonstop adventure, and. Uh, then at the end of, uh, of that, that period, uh, going to last July, uh, I was then asked to be the interim dean of the college for this year, during which Father Grimes would be the vice dean has been the vice dean and then the university would search for a new dean which is uh... dean laura riccio and so the plan that i was presented at that time has now uh... almost been actualized and uh... and so i've been about a year and a half here in the position of uh... of interim dean it's just been a wonderful way to to culminate my career at fordham for so many reasons that maybe we can get into a little bit So uh, let's get into those
1: reasons, actually. So why do you think that this experience for you has been one of the best things that has happened to you at your career at at Fordham?
0: It really has. And, you know, I think the first credit really needs to go to Father Grimes. Uh, You know, I think we've had a number of wonderful deans of the college, but for the last 20 years, it's been Father Grimes. And when he originally became dean, he actually asked me to be his first associate dean, And he came from Rose Hill, and he's an ethnomusicologist, and he's very much into the arts and the performing arts. And so uh, I worked with him for the first two years that he was uh, dean, and we, we had a very close relationship. You know, I love Father Grimes and feel great loyalty to him. And so that was, in a big part, why I immediately said yes with no question, because he'd been suffering from some medical issues and difficulties. And I looked at this as an opportunity to help him to further his legacy in the college Uh, at that time, we didn't know what the future would be, and I thought he might have a recovery and come back and and, then take over in July or at some point. As it turned out, uh, he wasn't able to do that. Do you have any
1: particular favorite moments involving students?
0: Uh, My favorite event of the year uh, concerning students, because it was really student-generated, was the drag show. And what I hope Uh, is the first annual drag show. And what was interesting about it, I think, was that it was a student-generated project. There were uh, people outside of the university who protested it, who wanted to stop it, who objected to it. Uh, I think they were coming from a whole different uh, value perspective. and, uh, And so they were challenging the event And what I appreciated, first of all, was the support that was shown, you know, by our provost, by our academic community, by student affairs, uh, supporting the students to do this. And uh, I sat at the back of Pope Auditorium. It was absolutely packed. I'd never been to a drag show before, so I didn't quite know what what it was all about. I mean, I I had some vague ideas and stereotypes, but... uh, but didn't know. And so I watched the performance, uh, the performances, and they were, one after another, absolutely brilliant. Uh, brilliant performances, well-conceived. It was a celebration of gender and sexuality in all its various forms. And what was as good or even better than the performances themselves was the way the place was packed. And the student body embraced these performances like I've never seen. It was electric. And the ovations, the love, the embrace uh, of, of these performances was brings tears to my eyes. It truly does. And I've sometimes heard that, you know, Fordham College at Lincoln Center doesn't have school spirit. Well, we have it. And it was there.
1: So you mentioned that, you know, people say that Fordham doesn't have school spirit. I think that's a good segue into. What, what do you think were the more challenging aspects of having to take over for Father Grimes? My
0: goal in last spring semester was really just to hold the fort, <laughs> to maintain everything that Father Grimes was doing. So I tried my best to keep going and to maintain everything that he was doing so uh, in that process my challenge was to learn what the heck he was doing (laughs) you know so it was like what were his formulas for success and I was drawing on everything I could possibly learn to be able to find out what they were and keep them all going and so that was uh, that was that was a big challenge Uh, But then when it turned out that he couldn't continue and he wasn't going to return to the dean position and it was announced that there would be a search for a new dean, Father Grimes would, I would be interim dean, Father Grimes would be my vice dean, and we would have a national search for a new dean. Then immediately the challenge became to prepare the college for the new dean. And uh, I felt that maintaining the status quo wasn't sufficient because i had also learned you know that there were areas that could be further improved and i guess from talking with students talking with the college council uh, and also focusing on uh, this university-wide concern with retention i wanted to do something about that and also a number of other things so this year has been a year of of moving forward to gather momentum that will turn over to our new dean. Uh, Like for one thing, a very, very high functioning dean staff. That's one challenge. Uh, The other part is to improve our community here. The one thing that really struck me was that we could develop the community at Fordham, uh, the experience of student engagement. Uh, And I wanted especially to do that for the freshmen, uh, but also for the upperclassmen. So, you know, some of the things, uh, and I can come back to the dean's staff. You know, we just uh, I took uh, on to our staff a new associate dean, uh, Dean Mary Bly, and so the two of us have been kind of partners in crime, and actually partners in trying to move the the college forward with a kind of momentum that I hope uh, the new dean will will ride on and uh, a, a, which hopefully will give her a great experience when she arrives.
1: Let's talk about the incoming Dean Orichio for a second. First of all, she's I believe the first female dean mm-hmm. of FCLC ever. Mm-hmm. I think you you mentioned earlier uh, you were doing some things to sort of improve uh, free speech on campus and Dean Arriccio is has been a big supporter of free speech uh, at the new school, I That's believe. That's right. Yeah, um, her
0: values line up with FCLC yeah. in a profound and exciting way. Right. And also her commitment to diversity and her care for students. There's no question that she's going to really, uh, really move, the, continue to move the college forward in these fronts. Uh, what would
1: you say would be the sort of changes or the sort of things that Dina Riccia would
0: end up making. I think she's going to be tremendous for the, uh, for the arts. She has a background in art history, but also in archeology span and anthropology. So she has very broad intellectual horizons. But I think one of the big challenges is her collaboration with the Rose Hill Deans. What we've really been doing is to, uh, to open up the pathways between Fordham College at Lincoln Center and Rose Hill. And my idea, and I really think that uh, the new dean will will seize this opportunity to expand our college's resources even more, to uh, open up the doors to Rose Hill with all the resources that Rose Hill has to offer our students. Then uh, her uh, her 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 challenge, and I'm sure she'll seize it. Uh, is to take advantage of New York City. Uh, And she comes from the New School, so she has contacts all over the city. Uh, And she's a New Yorker herself. So she's positioned to be able to expand our operations in New York City, which is what makes us great. So I I just have one more question, I think, which
1: is... um... Uh, what's next for you after this? Ah, what's
0: next for me? That's yeah. uh, thank you, Kevin, for asking that. Coming back to me, you know, and you know what? I have not even had a minute to think about that. I got ideas, but I'm not committing to anything. I just need to take a breath and and think. You know, I guess the Jesuits call it the process of discernment. What's the what's the best path for me? And I don't know. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Great interview. And it's always fun to talk about this college. It's the best.
1: The following segment is an interview with Andy Vega, who had a lot of things to say about overheard at Fordham. I wasn't sure how much of what he said was serious, and I'm not sure he knew either. We're joined now by Andy Vega. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Andy, can you give us a quick rundown of what your article was about? Basically, it was
2: about uh, my journey in the past month or so of DMing overheard at Fordham uh, quotes that were actually lies. They were creations That I fabricated in my own brain um, because I wanted to bring the account down because I think they stand for for lies I think they create distrust in our community and I think they owe me five hundred dollars and it's really as simple as that
1: why do you think overheard at Fordham doesn't have the accountability that it should have
2: I think they just don't care And that's the truth. I think they're a content factory looking to use the people of Fordham to get engagement, to get clicks, to get likes, to get comments. Um, They started out by following a bunch of Fordham people and then uh, just using their content to expand their audience. And honestly, I think in the end, they're aiming to monetize. And I don't think uh, that's a good look. And I think they should pay me instead.
1: What can you bring to the table that they can't? Well, I think for
2: one, these lies that I wrote have done just as well as, as uh, the presumably real quotes that they've been posting. So, for one, we an account full of lies works just as well as an as an account full of truths. I don't think Overheard at Fordham um, has has a type of content that is sustainable, and I think I could provide that if asked to, and I think that they could pay me to do that or to pay me to not do that. Either
1: way, I think I should be paid by them. This type of content that Overheard at Fordham offers is essentially fake news, according to you. Yes. So why do you think they insist on saying that it's true instead of just making jokes like Jesuit University does?
2: authenticity sells Kevin and they have that in their branding they know their brand it only works if it's overheard if it's not overheard if it's written it's not interesting to the people so they lie they take the lies they don't fact check they write things like the weather makes me wet which is just not something anyone has said let's say you were put in charge of overheard at Fordham what would you do what would you change about it the first thing I would do is go to my profile. I would go to the top right where I believe there are three horizontal parallel lines. I would click that, I would scroll down, I would go through the settings, and I would click delete your account. And then I would exit the Instagram app and I would open Venmo, and I would go to Andy M. Vega, and I would send that account $500 with a little public note that says,
1: Thank you so much for your hard work. As far as the $500 go, Mm -hmm. what would you do with that money exactly, Andy? The possibilities
2: are absolutely endless. With $500, I mean, I could cash that in for five $100 bills. I could cash that in for um, 25, 20 bills. I think that's the math. I could just have so many different variations of bills and of coins, or I could pay people on Venmo and then request it back. I could um, I could eat meals, I could buy drinks. The thing about money is it really is
1: cool. So to be clear, why is it exactly that Overheard Fordham owes you $500? I just think it's the
2: right thing to do. There's, there's right and there's wrong. Lying is wrong. And overheard at Fordham has been lying to the community of Fordham University. I have been lying to them. Is that wrong? Yes. But I'm just lying to one Instagram account, and they are lying to thousands of people who think they're telling the truth. I think they need to write this wrong. I'm writing the wrong, I'm writing the wrong every day. Overheard at Fordham. I don't know. I just think five hundred dollars in my bank account it it's a
1: small it's a small gesture, but it goes a long way. Let's say that overheard at Fordham was here right now. Mm-hmm. The people who run that page, what would you say to them?
2: You know what you're doing is morally reprehensible, and you should um, um, you should go to hell. <laughs> I would. Uh, can I say hell? <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes, you can. Okay.
2: Presumably from there, there will be some fisticuffs. We will fight. It'll get violent. I will bleed. But that's the thing, is I will bleed. Will they bleed? I'm not really sure what sort of humans these people are. If they're even humans, part of me thinks they're um, a bot created by uh, bigger overheard accounts. And But that's a conspiracy theory we don't need to get into.
1: So this is a whole network, then, of fake news spewing... Overheard accounts.
2: There are networks of overheard accounts. There's overheard in New York, overheard in LA, there's overheard university. And I think overheard at Fordham is aiming to be bought out by one of these uh, broader accounts. In the end, their end goal is money. And what they're using to attain that cash are the thoughts of Fordham Rams and the lies of mine. So they are liars, and they're users, and they're exploiting this community in an in an effort to become famous and to get money. So what better way to right that wrong than to delete their account and give me some money so I can go to Dave and Buster's.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Andy.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: At the end of every year at The Observer, people leave. It's just the way things work at a student newspaper. People leave and new people come in. We'll be taking a look back, not only at the career of my former co-host, Jeff Umbrell, but at the outgoing Editor-in-Chief and Managing Editor, Colin Sheely and Izzy Dupre.
3: Uh, hi, I'm Izzy Dupre, I was the Managing Editor this past year, and next year I will be the Online Editor at The Observer.
4: Hi, I'm Colin Schiele. I was the editor-in-chief of last year and next year I'll be unemployed. <laughs> I'm Jeff Umbrell. Uh,
5: last year I was both features editor and retrospect co-host.
1: So let's just start from the beginning. How did you get your start with The Observer?
3: Uh, I can start, yeah. Uh, I started my freshman year at Fall Club Day and I was a copy editor.
4: Uh. I was also, my freshman year, at Fall Club Day, um, I was emailed a story idea to write about the top ten New York City Central Park dogs, and I threw it away. Uh, Then the second semester of my sophomore year, I finally came back to the idea of joining the newspaper, and that's where I got my start at the news desk. I went to
5: my fall freshman year at Club Day with Colin... Um, and also received a bunch of emails about story ideas, including probably that dog one. But I did not write any of them, and I didn't join until fall of my junior year uh, after the assistant features editor quit over the summer, and Colin texted me asking if I would be willing to step on as their replacement.
1: And how's it been? Like Generally speaking, how, how have your tenures been? as parts of The Observer.
3: Um, I've loved it. It's the biggest thing that I do at Fordham. It's given me my friends' experience for things like jobs.
4: It's been a really fast trip uh, in and out of a newspaper, but it's also felt like it's the main thing I've done in my college career. Um, It's where I can see Uh, the most impact that I've had at Fordham and it's uh, where I'm planning to donate all of my money if I ever get it.
5: (laughs) Yeah I agree with with both Colin and Izzy. It's been a very intensive experience but it went by very fast um, but it was definitely you know rewarding I got a lot out of it, met a lot of new people, both students and faculty members Um, and learned, you know, a lot more about the ins and outs of both a newspaper and you know, Fordham University through, you know, research and
1: article writing. And uh, I, I guess let's, let's talk about the process then. Um, what were some of your favorite moments working uh, for The Observer and what were, I guess, some bumpier moments that you wish you could have maybe corrected or done a better job at?
3: Um, I think favorite moments for me are usually the very end of production, um, which sounds negative, but I put together all the PDFs and upload them to our server, um, and kind of get to see the paper as a whole that we've been working on for two weeks at a time. And so I really like that and just being able to send out like, Hey, everyone, we finished, um, bumpiest moments. There's been bumpy moments every year this past year as managing editor, I've, Part of the team that deals with them, I think whenever there's an issue in printing that's always tough breaking news, which we have a strong news team and this year we had Colin to help with that
4: yeah um, when I started out, I always uh, thought that was kind of the most uh, exhilarating most exciting moments um, my sophomore year Fordham was kind of coming apart at the seams there was a lot of campus division there were protests nearly every week and Uh, there was a lot to write and report about and cut your teeth on Um, and that to me spoke about what being a journalist was and what being a reporter was but now looking back on it um, my favorite part was teaching that kind of passion and that kind of love for journalism to the rest of the editors and writers uh, and really wetting their appetites Um, bumpiest I would say I agree with Izzy. Uh, when something doesn't work out in print, or when a story that uh, you know I had a lot of hopes built on falls through, um, that's always disappointing. But it's also uh, a lesson to springboard off of and do better the next issue, the next time.
5: Yeah, I agree with Colin. Um, I think the both the high and the low points for me, you know, are both working with other editors and other staff writers and contributing writers. Um, I think, like Colin said, when you become, or when you're invested in a story that one of your writers is working on, you know, it's really rewarding to see that story come all the way through to fruition. But then on the other hand, it can also be at times a bit frustrating when, you know, the story either falls through or doesn't come out the way you envisioned it or to the level of... Quality that you envisioned it.
1: Anything in particular from Retrospect, Jeff?
5: That I enjoyed, or that didn't come out as I'd hoped.
1: Both. <laughs>
5: I will say that uh, I did not expect Retrospect to become such a an established presence on the Observer that it that it has. I remember when Colin asked me to co-host the podcast, I agreed to do three episodes, <laughs> and and that would be it. Then someone else would presumably fill my shoes. And then I ended up doing um, at least like 10 or so with you over the course of the fall and spring semesters. So it's always probably the biggest uh, bump for us on retrospect is always when interviews fall through. Um, and then you have to scramble to find a replacement interviewee and a replacement segment idea. And we're usually working on such a tight schedule with retrospect compared to the normal normal pr- normal print cycle that uh, when that happens it's much more stressful
1: yeah. I guess that sort of leads to another question which is um, uh, like what were some unexpected moments where where things got chaotic and you were like, "What am I doing here? This is a student newspaper. Why am I devoting so much of my time to to this
3: well our biggest kind of what-are-we-doing moment this year, I would say, was completely redesign the website. For a while, everything was just gone, but obviously that ended up a huge learning experience, designing a website from scratch, putting in what we want, and we're still working on that process and will be throughout the summer.
4: Really, really, the whole thing was a chaotic moment. (laughs) Um, You know, you're giving students a lot of power and a lot of responsibility to... Uh, report and to be, to bear witness to um, what's happening on their campus Um, and that can be a daunting thing, especially with homework, especially uh, when they need to redesign an entire website to broadcast that on Um, but it's that chaos that I think um, people that are really good and and really shine um, stand out and, uh, and get recognized for that and Without those kinds of opportunities, um, I think there's a good many of us that would never realize how uh, important and how uh, valuable uh, journalism is.
1: Obviously, Izzy will still be with us next year, but uh, you're, you're all leaving positions behind. So what are you, all of you going to miss the most?
3: Um, not so much even from changing positions, but I always miss the people every year we have New people come which is awesome, but also old people leave and you kind of build a community every year and have that Group that works really well together and to see people go is hard But I do like that you always have the new people and it always becomes this new group and you learn new things and um, Aspects of the paper change. So I think that's something that I feel really connected to Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Izzy. Uh, I think I'm gonna miss being in the know uh, and that's not only about uh, Fordham and about what's going on and what's reportable, but it's also about being invested in a community um, and having uh, a relationship with it that is on such a, a deep and personal level, both with your editors and with uh, and with with the school around you. Um, you know, that's what being an observer journalist is all about is is caring the most about your community and getting your community to care back. I will miss production pizzas.
5: Um. Don't forget the soda. (laughs) Yeah, and and production sodas.
1: What do you think is the most important advice that you'd like to pass on to the next generation of observer leaders?
3: Um, Well, I'm not leaving, but um, I think when you're in a leadership position you feel the pressure of all of it and there will be times when pretty much everything is going wrong and falling apart and it feels like it's a first time thing but looking back on it those things happen every single year it's inevitable there will be a misprint there will be stories that fall through there will be production nights that go way too far into the morning um And you just have to know that as long as you're leading it and managing it and that you end up with this finished product, it's all going to be okay. Uh,
4: And I think just as much as uh, it's important to acknowledge old problems, I think it's also important to create new ones. And by that I mean to try new things, to try bold experiments, um, and think just because you don't have it now, just because the observer... Uh, doesn't have a podcast, doesn't mean that you can't do it. Um, I really encourage bold, fresh ideas because that's what's going to uh, get people invested in it and that's what's going to make it worthwhile to you in the end. Perseverance
5: is one of the most important traits you can have as a, as an observer leader. You know, I think both, like when Izzy said, when things are... Not going super well to kind of stick with it and and to not throw in the towel or anything, and then to also stick with and fall fo- and you know follow through to the end with the new projects like Retrospect that we come up with and and see them all the way through as they grow into a you know fully functioning and fully fleshed out idea or product.
1: Is there anything you'd like to say now that you're? sort of no longer in in charge of the newspaper?
4: Uh, I'd like to say, uh, you know, keep reading and and keep invested. There's a big problem that uh, lots of student leaders have expressed uh, about this campus, and it's that students don't care. Um, But I've learned that it's not that students can't care. um, It's that you've got to give them a reason to. Uh, You've got to reach out to them, and you've got to tell them about the things that matter. Uh, And it's the service of the observer that we provide um, that allows them to create a community and to care about what's happening in it. Reading the newspaper is the best way to start.
1: Well, thank you all for joining us.
3: Thank you.
4: Thank you.
1: Thanks. This has been Retrospect. We'll be back next semester with a brand new release schedule. Till then, I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. We'll see you next time.